What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 124. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how you doing? Happy 2020, buddy. Yes, happy 2020 to you and to everyone listening. Thank you so much for tuning in with us for all the years, and we hope you continue to do so in 2020. Yeah, so how about that? Starting the year off right Boom, podcast, day one. I mean, would you expect anything different from us? We do podcasts. Honestly, it feels like every single day. When people ask me, like, so how many times do you podcast? Because I tell them, like, well, I'm a blogger and a podcaster. That's what I do. They go, yeah, yeah, but your real job. And I go, that is my real job. That's it. I'm a grown-up blogger, podcaster. That's what I do. So how many times? Literally every day I'm on the microphone talking about the New York Islanders. Is that really possible? Can you talk about them every day? Yes, you can. And yes, you should. We're doing it right now. And we're going to have a fun time doing it. Damn right. Uh, so how are you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. It was a uh, rough night for New Year's Eve. Um, struggled. Uh, but after uh, multiple cups of coffee and uh, some eggs, I was able to bounce back. Yourself? I, God damn you young people. Uh, I had a couple of coffees and some eggs and a boom, lickety split, I'm good to go. Meanwhile, I was dying for a day and a half with a hangover <laughs> from like three beers and two shots. Oh, well, I definitely had more than that. Um, I just, rem- I slept on arguably, then to my friend Nick, thank you for letting me stay over your apartment. Appreciate it, bud. But I ended up on the most uncomfortable couch I think ever formed. I My back was killing me when I woke up today. Like it was one of those sleeps where like, I didn't move the entire time and then I just like eyes open. It was like 11 a.m. and I was like, oh no, what 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 did I just put my body through the last, I don't know how many hours. Oh, and every bump on the train ride, your spine just like reminds you that you slept uncomfortably. Oh yes, pretty precisely that, yeah. 
Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. I remember those very well. <laughs> Definitely not the best, but I am excited to talk some New York Islanders hockey with you. Like you said, starting the new year off on the right foot. Do you have an addition for episode 124? I do, and I think you're going to like it. Uh, so uh, as we normally do for these podcasts, we pick a player that has played X number of games for the New York Islanders. The X stands for the number uh, the number above 100. And like you said at the beginning, we are 24 over 100. So a player who has played 24 games for the New York Islanders, goalie Roberto Luongo. Ooh, okay. Going for a name you know to start the year off right. The questions I will be harder, it. though. Okay, I still appreciate that. I think that's a good one. I like it. There will be no, or what position did he play? Even though I just said it. <laughs> there you go. All right, so I'm going to have my work cut out for me. A little bit. All right, Mitch, let's jump into it. We'll talk about the three games the Islanders played first. Uh, didn't start off so great right after Christmas, Mitch. They got uh, shellacked in Chicago, a 5-2 to two loss. It wasn't very pretty. No, and we talked about this. So if, if we talk about every game at length on Patreon. So if you want to go, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. We record a 25 to 30 minute podcast about every single New York Islanders game right after the game is done or at the very latest, if it happens to like they play in like California, you got it by 8 a.m. in your ears. Um, so head over eyes on aisles. Sorry, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles to get that a newsletter mailbag. We're going to do it right after this show. Ton of stuff. Anyways. Back to this, we we said it on, on on those shows that the Islanders needed to get back to basics leading up to this game in Chicago. They had time, they had the uh, attention, they could do it. They could get back to basics, and that's how they would win. And they did not do that whatsoever, and they <laughs> lost horribly. No, we thought for sure we were extremely confident. We <laughs> Too both confident. We both bet the under, <laughs> which was uh, well, Mitch, not great. Hey, I bounced back from, from, from that in terms of betting. I bet on Detroit winning the other night on, on the first, sorry, on the 31st. I said Detroit is going to win at home against the San Jose Sharks. They're all, they only won nine games all season at that point. And I, I was like, yes, it's going to happen. And they did. They won 2 nothing. Boom. Redeemed. All right. You definitely redeemed yourself. That is, uh, that is fairly good. I am jealous because I haven't been so lucky, but story for another day. We're talking New York Islanders hockey. Um, so obviously just defensive struggles continued in Chicago, I think is completely fair to say, right? Oh, absolutely fair to say. That's exactly what happened. The, the Highmore, whoever the hell that is, that fifth goal that they scored, or the which is just like they threw the puck on net and no one could, would clear the front of that for no ridiculous reason at all. Yep. Um, and then was it Jonathan Taze when Ryan Pulak takes it up to the ice and Taze just kind of like stick checks, yeah. takes it in. No gap control to speak of whatsoever. And then like rips it far side on. Was it Grice in that for that one? Uh, I think yes. so. I, uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say yes. Was it because Varley picked up the Washington win? Well, they pulled they pulled Grice. So that might have been the first Varlamov one he faced. I don't remember if it was the third yeah. or fourth goal. No, you you got it. You got it spot on. You're right. They they pulled and then it was Grayson at that point. So just bad defensive play all around from them, and it's just not something that they were used to from the New York Islanders. Yeah, absolutely. And they actually bounced back after that, though. They played against Minnesota on the 29th, and actually put together a pretty solid defensive performance. Mitch. Yeah, they went back to basics, like. I don't understand why it took them so long to figure that out, but they went back to basics, minimized their mistakes, uh, clamped down defensively, and they put up points. And like the the bottom six specifically put up points. 
Yeah, they did really well. The bottom six got to give credit. I mean, Tom Kunakel scored a goal. Matt Martin scored a goal. And uh, I, I forget. I think it was Pulak scored the first goal. So that's not that's yes, the bottom six. It was but, Pulak. Just like trickled in under uh, Dubnik. Right. But nonetheless, still getting two goals from your bottom six who, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about this later on, the, the need for scoring. But the bottom six was giving the Islanders nothing for a very long time. And it was part of the reason why they were struggling. And now in that game, and then we're going to talk about the one from yesterday also, the bottom six has been huge for the Islanders the last couple. Absolutely, and that's exactly what they needed. It's not that you have to have your bottom six score every night. It's that you need your bottom six to do something offensively. That's not their primary function, but they're still forwards, and forwards need to put up points, and they need to do that, at least sort of. Yeah, because like we were saying, you know, Michael Del Cole went forever without scoring a goal. Uh, Tom Kunakel didn't have a goal for a while. We, we know Leo Komarov didn't really do all, all too much, although he had a beautiful assist in that Minnesota game. So, I mean, we gave him props for that. That's, you know, we want to see more of that. And I'm not saying these got each one of them's got to put up 30-plus points, but just like you said, give give us something. Because for weeks and weeks and weeks, Mitch, it was just the top two lines, and that was it. Yeah, and when the top two lines go silent, like they obviously will at some point for for a certain stretch, you need your bottom six to do something, and they weren't. So that's why we were losing. Well, that and some poor defensive play. Absolutely. And then they kind of went back to their poor defensive play yesterday against Washington, Mitch. It wasn't the best performance from uh, the defense. And I could think of, a well, just about all three of those goals were self-inflicted. But the one that really sticks out was the third one, the Adam Pellick turnover is just what was going on? It was so ridiculously like uh, the worst decision you could probably take. Really, the, uh, on the ice at that at that moment, there's a lot of bad decisions you could take oh, in your sure. life. But in, in this situation, we're talking about in the context we're speaking of, it was the worst. He could have passed it back, you know, back to, back behind the net to uh, what is it? A reverse back to his defensive partner could have done that. Could have chipped it up the boards. Could have sent it down the middle and, and a chip pass down the middle just to avoid icing, just to get it out of the zone. He did neither the three. He decided to skate it up and then just like flick it along the boards and right onto the stick of Evgeny Kuznetsov. Yeah, I. it was a complete panic move. That's what he did. He panicked, and it, it backfired. And you, if you turn the puck over to someone like Kuznetsov, and on the first goal, too, we got to talk about that, how he was so wide open, and poor Varlamov had no chance on that one. No, just two players not understanding that someone's got to pick up Kuznetsov by the net, which is ridiculous. You know, you don't have to be like, you get him, I get him. You get him? What a, it doesn't need to be a Canadian standoff type of situation. Just get him. Both of you then. None of them were covering anyone. Like, um, it was Taze who was in the, on the, uh, the uh, near side post, uh, just a little bit out. And then Bailey was kind of going around the net, kind of getting the far side post, but then whipped himself into the slot. I don't know why he did that. He should have covered Kuznetsov, but, but didn't. Either way, one of them just do it. Just do it. What do you, like, if you go to the slot, Bailey, uh, or sorry, if you cover Kuznetsov but don't go to the slot, you still covered the man. Who cares about the slot at this point? Yeah, that's, I I agree with you. There, It seemed like, for like I said, each one of those three goals, it was self-inflicted, a defensive meltdown that cost them. And the Islanders, I mean, let's face it, they, they were lucky to come away with a 4-3 win. They jumped out to an early 2-0 lead. And then they let up three goals right after that. Varlamov bailed them out hard. He did. In that third period, he was phenomenal. He faced 18 shots in the period, let in nothing. Just just 
18 that they that, that the Washington Capitals shot to the four of the Islanders. That's how one way traffic. It wasn't like back and forth. It was one way traffic. Yeah, no, it really was, and that was the scary part. But that's what happened for the Islanders over the last three games. Like Mitch said, if you want more in-depth on each one of those individual games, check it out on Patreon, patreon.com slash eyes on Isles. But we just like to give you the context of what we're going to be talking about each week when we do the main show, and then we're going to get down into more of our main topics. And the first one we're going to talk about is, like we hinted at, the need for scoring. Because while the Islanders were struggling, and we understand they won two games in a row, and they scored three goals, and then four goals. But for the most part, the Islanders' offense hasn't been good enough. And the reason for it is because they have too many depth players on this roster right now. When Ladd was here, that I mean, yes, he's getting paid like a top six forward, but he's he's your quintessential third liner, right? Then you have Michael Del Cole, who we've discussed at length how little he gives you uh, at anything, really, because he's not someone who's going to be on the PK, he's not going to be on the power play, and he's very mediocre uh, at five-on-five. Is that fair to say? Flatline, right? He, he's a flatline. He's just a, a blank wavelength. There's no wave there. There's no ups or downs. It's just, just he's not going to do anything bad, but he's not going to do anything good. And you're like, great, awesome, thanks, Michael. Right, and Kunakul didn't have a goal until the Minnesota game. Uh, Leo Komarov went a long time without scoring a goal. Uh, Matt Martin, I think, went 18 games without scoring a goal. Uh, Ross Johnson and Matt Martin are in the lineup at the same time. So there's a lot of these depth guys taking up slots, and in the top six, no less. Like, we're making the jokes about top-line Tommy, uh, Tom Kunako playing on the top line, but that's not— and we talked about this last year, too, in the playoffs and stuff like that. Tom Kunako, or people or players with that same role— that's not sustainable. You can't have your bottom six guys playing the position where you're looking for more offense. It's just not going to work over a long period of time. It's just not, and it doesn't. So we're talking about how little offense they have. Um, do you know where they rank in terms of all in terms of all situation goals for? Just like rank out of thirty one teams. I'm gonna guess like twenty four. Exactly twenty four. Okay, that was pretty good. Good guess job me. by you. Uh, yeah, they're 24th in the league with 111 goals for in all situations. Can you tell me where they rank in five on five scoring, which is supposed to be their strength? Remember, Barry Trotz made a point of being like, yeah, well, whatever, we're good five on five, guys. Uh, I'm going to guess like 20. 24 again with oh, okay. 72 goals for. They're bottom half, bottom quarter, really, right? 24. We're going to do some math here, Matt. Start the year off right. 24 divided by 31. Yeah, bottom quarter of the league in terms of offense. They're bad. They're really bad offensively. They need scoring. Absolutely. And they're like you're saying, they're not getting it from their bottom six at all. And and you're you're right in saying like, well, maybe not you didn't say this, but I think you're implying that you don't always need your, your fourth line to score or even your third line to score all the time, but you need something from them and they're not giving you anything. Yeah, they they weren't for unless I mean you look at the last two games. Yes, they were they gave you a lot, but over the full sample size of the season, realistically, that third line is a black hole. They yeah. have gotten nothing out of that line all year long. And last year with Valtteri Filppula, they really got a lot out of that line. You have to give Filppula a lot of credit. He was really good in that role on the third line. So I tried to do this kind of experiment where, where I broke down the, the four lines uh, and defense and kind of see where all the scoring is coming from. Uh, 
But deciding who's on the, the first, second, third, and fourth line is really up to my interpretation. So let, let's kind of eke this out and like, let, let's get the numbers. I'll give you mine, and then we'll figure out the lineup, and, and we'll, 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 dis- we'll see what the numbers are. Cool. First line I decided was Lee, Barzell, Eberle. That makes sense? Yeah. Okay. So together they've combined for 30 goals. 27% of goals scored. I'm just talking about goals here. Okay. Only goals. Uh, that makes sense. 27%. All right, cool. Uh, second line, I put Nel- uh, sorry, Bo Nelson Brassard on line two. Okay. This is where we might get into a little bit of a debate. Um, but Bo Nelson Brassard have combined for 32 goals, so 29% of uh, the production on the goal front. Okay. This all sounds about right so far. Okay. So then line three, I put Johnston Bailey Kuhnhockel. Okay. Where would you, what would you change there? Uh, you gave me a kind of look there. No, I, I I don't know if you could really make a change right now because right. with all the injuries. So I it was kind of just me shaking my head at the line more so than you saying that. Okay, yeah, but that's our third line, right? And you're right. That's like, oh, great. That's the third line. We're already off, not off to a good start here. Um, but you can change. Like if you're yelling at home saying, like, well, what about Del Cole? Cool, let's put Del Cole instead of, of Johnston. Well, we just lost a goal, so there's that. <laughs> Think of it that way. <laughs> uh, okay, Great. well, how about instead of Kuhnhockel? Great, that changes nothing in terms, again, of just goals, because he's got two just like Kuhnhockel. So line three, then, at, in this combination, has 13 goals for. That's 12%. E. Ooh. That's a big drop-off. But you look at the names, you're going, all right, cool. Bailey's obviously carrying the burden here with eight goals out of them. So <laughs> it's more than half. Uh, and then you have line four with his Martin, Sezikis, Clutterbuck, who have 14 goals, 13% of production. Okay. Right. I didn't put Komra there because we're going not just today, just the entire season, right? Season. We're trying to figure out yeah. all that. Um, so that that's, and Komra doesn't even have a goal yet, so not really doing anything goal for <laughs> <laughs> right, like, did I get that wrong uh, in terms of goals? I'm pretty sure he doesn't uh, have a goal yet. Did he score against Minnesota? No, he didn't score no, against Minnesota. He has then six assists, not. no goals. Okay, so there's that. Um, so then your fourth line has again 14 goals, 13 percent of production. Your fourth line has more production than your third line, which that's not. And I know that fourth line is really more of like the Islanders' third line. I know we can get into whole that, that whole debate, but that's really not what you want. You want that third line to be able to give you a little bit more production. And let's face it, we had Bailey on that third line. He's got to be about 90% of that, right? So he has 8 of 13. So eight okay, of thirteen is sixty-two percent of that of all goals on that third line. On and again, line, we put yeah. Johnston on that line. You take Johnston off, and that number goes up. Yeah, if you put Dal Cole in there, it, exactly. And that's the thing is, just they they're not getting enough from really. If you, I don't even think it's fair to say from the fourth line because we know what they're going to be. I think it's really if you get down to it, they're not getting enough from that third line. I think that's the issue. Yeah, and again, we do have Broussard up on the second line here. So you at home could probably say, well, Broussard should be the third line center. And you're 100% correct. He should be the third line center. But again, that that changes nothing for the arithmetic here. Because if you swap out Bailey and Broussard, that's still eight goals ship either way. Okay. Right? They both have eight goals. So either way you, you cut it, it doesn't change anything. But 
all we're really getting at, and, and it was what you alluded to, is that we're not getting enough out of that lineup. This is not the most optimal lineup you can possibly give. No. No, it's not. And the Islanders could definitely use an upgrade, which I think is this is where the conversation is going to be going now. And honestly, and I don't know if you were wanted to get into names and all stuff like this, but mm-hmm. as we were talking about that issue, a, honestly, I think a trade for J.G. Paggio makes a lot of sense. I'm starting to come around on it a little bit, but I'm still wary on, on J.G. Paggio. Not because he's doesn't he doesn't fit the system or he's not a good player. I love him as a player. I would love to have him on the team. I'm really worried about cost. Like, a lot. On Paggio, really? Okay. Well, he's got 18 goals right now, right? Or something like that. He's close to 18 goals, isn't he? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's 18. Which is a career high, so he's on pace for 30-some-odd goals, which is insane. Uh, he's never done anything like that before whatsoever, but he's top-line center. He's getting a lot of ice time, a lot of offensive time that he doesn't usually get. Um, so clearly you, you give him more, and he'll give you more. Um, so that that's good. But he's an expiring UFA. Or, or RF? Yeah, he's going to be a UFA at the end of the year. Right. Uh. It's a, You're getting into rentals, but that's potentially what the Islanders are going to have to do if they are looking to optimize this season. Yeah, I know. And and I was there with 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 Hall. It's just Peugeot is not Hall. And even then you can you, we can get into debate. Is, is Hall even a top tier player? We don't get into that debate with, with Peugeot. He's not a top tier player. We're, we're talking about third line center. Is he a top tier third line center? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. But that's what seems to be like. I feel like that would fix a lot of the Islanders issues, though, because now if you put him there, you can do a lot more with that line and it could be a turn into because right now like we said it's a black hole you are just the only thing you're getting out of it is defense right if you add Paggio he does both he's a good penalty killer and on top of that he's gonna pop in 25 goals this year yeah at least yeah so I don't I think that name and I know the part where I struggle with myself is I, I he's not like the most ideal fit. Hall, obviously, a player to that caliber would be. But I do think if you bring him in, that instantly fixes a, a, a need. And yeah, maybe it's not the flashiest of names, but I think it would make this team a hell of a lot better. Yeah, because... Um, Broussard was supposed to fill that role, right, as a, as a third-line center, and run that third line, right? right? He didn't do that. He's no. more of a complementary piece now. Right, but I think it would be cool to see Pajot and Broussard on a line together with maybe, I don't know, like Tom Kunakel or something like that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I really am. I'm The only worry I have is the cost. Like, how high is this cost going to be? Because he, he's a center, he's young, right? He's 27? Yeah, he just yep. turned 27 in November. Uh, he's putting up career numbers. We're not going to be the only ones interested, obviously. Uh, UFA again at the end of the season. How much is it going to cost to get him in? Like, are we talking about blue chip prospect first round pick and maybe something else? Or are we even, even I, if I just pose it to you this way, blue chip prospect, like... Oliver Wallstrom level and first round pick. Do you do it? Probably not. 
right? Um, so like that's the ceiling, obviously. I, yeah, I think that's too high though. I think it would probably end up being a second round pick. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm just if it's like Koivula and second round pick, I'm doing it all day every day. I'm sorry, Koivula, but I'm doing it. If it comes to Wallstrom or or Dobson, I'm not doing it. It's just not happening. I, I I'm really not. Uh, is this specifically for rental? If he had like a couple years term, I'd think about it. But because it's he, he's uh, he's done, I'm out. So that is that for any rental or just specifically Pajot as a rental? Specifically Pajot as a rental. Okay, so what if it was someone like, for instance, uh, Mike Hoffman, who is known for a little bit more goal scoring? Would you be willing to do that then? If I'm getting rid of a, of a number one potential defenseman and a, a possible 30 or 40 goal scorer, uh, right, because that's what he's been like kind of drafted as, so this this this. Uh, it's panache like the top tier goal scorer. I want a top tier goal scorer back. And Mike Hoffman, while can maybe get you thirty, uh, isn't necessarily the best teammate either. And I worry about that. And doesn't necessarily play a whole lot of defense. No, no, that's true. I'm just when you look at the guys who could potentially be available. What are some? Are there other names that in, entice you a little bit? more than like a Pajot or even a Hoffman? So that's the problem. No, right? Like, that's the problem I'm having going, all right, I want, like my resolution that I sent to to one of our writers is I want the the Islanders to recognize that their window is opening and that they need to do something. But the big names out there are, like you said, Pajot and Hoffman. And I'm I'm just worried that we're going to be paying like, I don't know, Taylor Hall level prices for Jean-Gabriel Pajot. I see. I'm not so sure because then, like, if you look back at what Stone got at the deadline last year, then how are you going to convince me that JG Pajot is worth a first round pick? True. Fair enough. Uh, well, didn't they get? No, he got a second, didn't he? Yeah, it was a second and a defensive prospect. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, you're talking me into it again. I love the player, and I would really like to have him. I really would. I just worry about the cost. So if I, I'm calling Ottawa saying, like, what do I need to get to give you to get Pajot? And they, they obviously throw me the moon. I'm getting real cold real quick. Yeah, I guess obviously it depends on what the cost is. I wouldn't feel as comfortable giving up a first round pick and a top three prospect. But if it turned out to be like a second and maybe not a top three prospect, but in that four to six range, then yeah. I'm probably more willing to do it. Like if it was probably, let's say Bodie Wild in a second, I think it, that would suck giving up Wild, but I think I would have to make that call. That would be my my final my final final offer. That's what I would I would hope to, when I start the call with Ottawa, I would hope to end that way. Say so not hope to end. If I had to really pull the trigger, that be that mean like my trump card. Be like, all right, fine, Bodie in a second. That's what I'll give you. But I would really start off by saying third and like Parker Wortherspoon. How about that? And they go and they laugh and hang up on you, right? I, I'd start from there, and but if it has to get like Bodie and, and second, and that's that's really their their what they're looking for, I think I would do that. I I would be comfortable in doing so. All right, I think that's I think that's pretty fair, uh, but the, I think we both can agree on despite prices or anything like that. Lou Lamarilla has to really look hard this trade deadline to get something in here because, like we mentioned. Their window's open, and you can't just sit around and wait for everyone to come. No, you, it's right. You can't wait for all the, your players to eventually mature. I, well, although you can, because that's what Lou Emerald says he does, right? Like, if you have the time, you take it. 
I, that's not really his accent, but like that's the accent I'm going with. So deal with it. <laughs> I guess. Oh my god. Uh, so with that, shall we keep this thing rolling, Mitch? With the scoring, you mean? With the scoring, yeah. We're gonna get into who is continuing to score. Right after this, we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast. We're talking goal scoring, and when we're talking about goal scoring in the New York Islanders, it'd be hard to mention, or hard not to mention, I should say, Kiefer Bellows in the AHL has been putting up monster numbers, Mitch. Yeah, he, so in the last 14 games since being scratched twice, he has 12 goals and one assist. 12. Do you know how many goals he had last year? I think it was 12 total, right? It was exactly 12. Yeah, Over so like 72 games or something. Yeah, it was crazy. And he was really struggling. He only had one through the first 29 games this year. I'm pretty sure that was the number. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's gone up tremendously over the last, would you say, 14 games? That's correct. Yes. Yeah, so, I, I mean, when you look at this, it's just, it makes me happy that we didn't throw the B word out there yet, Mitch. Because it was being tossed around, right? Just before being scratched, like, all right. Because he had a disappointing 2018-19. Yep. He had 19 points in the entire 1819 uh, season. I want, I want to bring up his stats. Just because I want to remember exactly how many games he played last year. I thought it was 74. Sorry, 73. I was so close. Ooh, pretty close. In 73 games, he scored 19 points with 12 goals. In 33 games this year, he has 13 goals. 12 of those coming in the last 14 yeah, that's that's the thing. I mean, it's all coming right at this one time, but we're hoping that he's turning the corner because like Mitch said, the not, the conversation, not from us, but from uh, if you looked at social media, a lot of people were calling him a bust. And I think we both pre- preached patience and it was a little bit. We talked about how it was different than Michael Dow Cole's situation because he wasn't a top five pick. And also uh, he was taken two years after Dow Cole. So we want, we said give him another year. If in another year from now he's still struggling, then I'd probably be comfortable with throwing that word out there. Now, he's really saved himself though, Mitch. I don't know what he's doing differently, what he's eating differently, uh, but he's a totally different player already. Uh, so quickly. It, it was it was a quick turnaround. Yep. And it wasn't like they got a new player. It's not like Joshua Sang came in and, oh my god, Kiefer Bellis is a new player. No, no, he was doing this well before Joshua Sang showed up again. Um, and, and you're right, preaching patience was important because this was only his second professional year. Only second. Like, he had one professional year and we're ready to throw the B word around. Yes, it was a bad year. 19 points was not what we wanted, but it was his first year in professional hockey. Let's give him a little bit of a break. Uh, and here he is changing things altogether. Like, it's, it's insane to see how many uh, goals he now has in such a short period of time. And, and do you know how many of them came uh, on the power play? How many of his goals come on the power play? How many? Two. Wow. So okay. this, this kid is shooting the men at five on five. He's not shooting the men when, you know, they're in an advantageous position to score or when the, the um, they're put in a better position to score. He's not finding, quote unquote, easier goals to put in. He's in there in the hard situations, finding goals, sometimes even solo. He scored like a Bobby Orr type goal the other day. That one was crazy. Flying over the goalie, popping it in behind him. Like this guy is scoring them from everywhere and at five on five. That's important, right? He's scoring them at full strength. Yeah, definitely. And another thing for me is when you watch the highlights back, it looks like on most, and I'm not saying for all, but 
for most of them, he's putting himself in good scoring situations to pick up a rebound. Or like there is one where Josh Hosang threw the puck into the slot and he was kind of just there to deflect it in. He was just putting himself in a good spot to score a goal and he had a hat trick that night. It's exactly what you want to see from the kid. Now the question is, what do we do with him? I am leaning more towards calling him up. Right. So that that's what we're trying to get at here is that we we talked about looking outside for scoring like scoring depth, but we already potentially have scoring depth. Is it time to call Kiefer Bellows up? Yay or nay? I'd say yes because I think he gives you more than honestly like everyone we were just talking about on that third line. There, there's no reason to have both Matt Martin and Ross Johnston in the lineup, even though we both we both like both those guys. But they're the, they're the same person. You can't have them both in the same lineup. So I'm fine with having one of those two guys on the scratch pad, rotating, whatever you want to do there. But I'd instantly put Kiefer Bellows in. And that I wouldn't say, like, okay, call the Bellows. Don't have to worry about the trade deadline now. Because I think that's way too much pressure on a 21-year-old kid to say, okay, now you got to be the – you have to fix all the scoring problems. Like, that, that's that's on you now, kiddo. Best of luck to you. And, oh, by the way, you're going to be playing on the third line with Leo Komarov. So good luck scoring goals. I think that's unfair. That is completely unfair. But he has the more talent than a lot of these guys, than Dow Cole even. And I think he would add a different dimension to the Islanders' third line, which is something that I would like to see. So what I like doing is doing a uh, like a cost-benefit analysis here, negatives and, and uh, like the pros and the cons. I want to start off with the cons because I think those are the most uh, the ones that are really standing in the way, and they're the, the ones that carry more weight. So mm-hmm. the first con, he's a rookie. We have to remember that he's still he would be coming in as a rookie. He's never played an NHL game in his life. Right. Then the con to that, the, the, the sub-con to that is what happens to rookies? They make mistakes. Of course, yeah, that that's gonna happen. You're not gonna have 100 percent clean games. They're gonna it's gonna be a bumpy road. And coaches don't like mistakes. Coaches like Barry Trotz right now are trying to eliminate mistakes. They want to bring on mistakes, so that's getting in his way. Sure. Um, and we're we're talking about young rookies. Like they're already doing that with Noah Dobson, and so much that they're not playing him because they don't want to ruin his confidence. Because this game could ruin your confidence or take your confidence that Barry Trot says. Mm-hmm. So why bring a kid in who's super high on confidence if you're not confident yourself that you're going to play him first off and you are you're not confident you could boost his own confidence. <sighs> like I, I I could see why they're like, you know what, let's keep him there. Let's keep him there because then this is my last negative, this could interfere with um the progression that he's making right now. I get that point. I just think that if you have the opportunity to improve your overall roster, then you got to do I think the pros outweigh the cons for what Bellows brings. So let's Maybe, get to those. Let's get to the pros then. Okay. One, one is definitely a goal-scoring dynamic on that third line. Exactly. He could be exactly what the Islanders are looking for. <laughs> exactly. Right, and I'm not... Yeah, and I, I'm not saying, and I don't think Mitch is either, that we're expecting to come in and start putting in, you know, 25 goals over the second half of the season. I don't think that's fair. But I think if he is, I don't know, even if he's just shooting the puck more, because like Michael Del Cole, and I don't want to turn this into every single week us bashing Michael Del Cole, but he doesn't shoot the puck. So it's like if you're putting someone who, yeah, maybe shoots four times a night, okay, maybe the goals are going to go up a little bit. And then he just, like you said, he's a bigger body too. So he could, you know, 
go get the puck down low and stuff like that too. A big body on the power play even potentially. Uh, so yeah, uh, for me, it's it's he's doing something right now. And the, the whole point of the developmental league is to find players who are doing well and playing better than the develop than the, the current talent at that develop developmental level. God, that was hard for me to say. And that's then okay. bring them up when they do so. And that's what he's doing right now is that, well, he's showing that he's better than where he is, that he could ostensibly go to the next level. Let's see if he can do it. And if he can, right, he's doing something there. And if he can replicate it, at least, like you said, to a, like a marginal degree, then you're getting a marginal return out of something that you didn't already have. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. So another, conf- another confidence, another positive is that that could boost his confidence. You're, all we're looking Absolutely for right now is sure. boosting his confidence. He comes in and he performs at the NHL level. Boom. That confidence level goes even higher. That's 100% true. If for whatever reason, let's say they call him up and he scored in one of his first couple of games, then the confidence starts to go. It's like the dam breaks. And I think the main point that I wanted to get on for Kiefer Bellows is the island what their biggest problem was and we talked about it in the last segment too with that third line is that the amount the little amount of offense that they give the team like Mitch said they they're scoring even less than the four, than that fourth line you have to change something up and they could only shift the lines around so many times with what they have like there's only so many combinations i think you need to get new blood in there and the very first move i would make would be getting bellows up here and seeing what happens and again that's not the only solution you probably have to call Bellows up and then potentially two make a trade on top of that. You're right. But assuming you can only do one, Bellows is going to be real cheap at $894,000 on the cap. And True. he's free because you don't have to trade pieces away for him. You already have him. He's just down there. And if he doesn't do it, you know what? You send him right back down. He's waiver exempt. He's perfect. There's no reason not to try this out. No, it costs you literally nothing there. That's why... With your cons, I, I I know you're just trying to make the the devil's advocate point. I just yes. think that the pros far outweigh both of those cons of him the, potentially stunting his confidence and then also the, his him making mistakes. He's already riding high the confidence. If if you know that this is established that he can recreate this going forward, uh, then perfect. And you're, you're like, okay, cool. Now let's see if you can do it at the next level because that's the entire point. That's the whole reason we're doing this. So. And we talk about mistakes and stuff like that. How many times have Leo Komarov and Andrew Ladd, who would normally be playing on the third line, take dumb penalties in the third period? Exactly. So, like, let's chill, guys, all right? Yeah, but I'm with you. I think definitely calling up Bellows would be one of the first things that I would do in order to try and fix this, don't you think? Absolutely. Yes, 100%. I don't understand why they haven't done it yet. No, so maybe in the upcoming weeks. Maybe. 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 So with that, let's keep this train rolling. And obviously, it is January 1, 2020 when we are recording. Uh, still feels weird saying 2020. I'm, I know I'm going to put 2019 so many different times. but <laughs> I think you even said 2021 right there. I probably could have. I don't, I don't know. We're going to have to roll back the tape, Mitch. <laughs> anyway, the point that I wanted to make was we are going to recap the year of 2019 in the New York Islanders. We're going to talk about the good. We're going to talk about the bad. 2019 was mostly good for the Islanders, though. So when looking at 2019 or when thinking about the year 2019 and how it correlates to the New York Islanders, what are some things that come to mind for you? Oh, I got a list of things. I I, I did a whole list here. Um, Let's do it. So first off, I came up with a saying, like what encompass if I had to like one sentence 
what comes to mind with 2019? And I came up with the year we proved them all wrong. I like that. I like that a lot. So through 82 games in the 2019, uh, nine, sorry, yeah, the 2019 calendar, we went 52, 24, and six for 110 points. I didn't write wow. it down, but I think that was the sixth best record in the NHL at that time. At that time, that's, through that calendar year, through 2019, that's I mean that's phenomenal. If you put a, a 110 point seasons, great, obviously. So they played well above what most people were expecting. Like you said, prove them wrong. Exactly. Do you have do you have something coming out for this? Uh the prove them wrong was was pretty good. But if I had to sum it up in uh, one sentence, it would probably be in Barry we trust. Oh, that's so good. That's Just so good. because I know that obviously it's a team and he's not actually out there on the ice, but I feel like all of the Islanders' success, maybe not all, but a, a large portion of why they are this good is because he is behind the bench. 75%, I'd say, if I had to. Yeah, so for me, I had to get Barry Trotz in there. So in Barry, we trust for 2019. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so I, I went around and uh, and I pulled a few st- not stats, but I looked at some some um, some games, and I wanted to find out what the biggest win and the the biggest loss was through the calendar okay. year for the New York Islanders. Can you tell me? Because I'm sure you know what the biggest loss is. Can you tell me what the biggest win is? And by biggest, I mean the largest uh, goal differential in favor of the Islanders through the 2019 calendar. Um. Sorry, did I say 2018? 2019. No, calendar. 2019 I don't know. I really don't know. We were both there. We were both the there. The Toronto buddy. game? Yes, sir. 6-1 okay. win against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Those douchey boys from Toronto. 6-1 on February 28th. Oh, I feel good. Take that, you stupid pajama guy. Huh. Okay. I I was thinking that one, so that makes a lot of sense. Okay, and then the loss has to be the, what, the 8-3 game? That's right. Yeah, the 8-3 game. There's another, I think there's another loss where, yeah, uh, one against Boston where we were shut out 5 nothing. so I guess that might feel worse because it is a five-goal swing and we didn't score once. Uh, True. That happened on March 19th, 2019, so okay. earlier in the year. Definitely earlier in the year, but yeah, those that definitely sticks out. And to me, the the Tavares game is something like if you want to talk about just moments of 2019, that was one of the first moments of 2019. Because like you said, it's in is in February of 2019. That was huge for a lot of reasons. One, how good the team played, and then just the fans and the crowd reaction. Yeah, that's that's what you want to see when you go to a hockey game. That's what you expect every game to be. Obviously, it's not none of them can ever live up to that standard. But they should all strive to live up to that standard because that was, oh my! If every hockey game is like that, this becomes a, a, a way more uh, expensive product to sell because everyone's going to want to buy into that because that was an unbelievable atmosphere. No, absolutely, and that's one of the first things that come to mind for me, or at least when I think of 2019, is that game. Also, I think you got to mention the 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 playoffs. So first. Obviously, the sweep of Pittsburgh, that was probably one of the most times riding high. The Penguins, listen, they've just they've been there, done that for a very, very long time. I thought the Islanders were going to win the series. I was confident that they would win the series. Did not think it would be four games, though. I thought it would be a back and forth, like six or seven game series. So I, I did a, a breakdown of the good and the bad, and, I, and that was one of them, winning a playoff round convincingly, like yeah. easily almost. So 
that's one of them. But before I get to my other goods and bads, I really wanted to kind of go back to the biggest win and losses-ish. Because I was looking at at most goals for and most goals against, and I really wanted to think, all right, well, what player had the most points during that stretch? And I I also wanted to look at the most the one that didn't have the most, but I figured anyone who played one game would have zero, so whatever. I wanted to focus on the positive. So the most points for the New York Islanders in the 2019 calendar was... Matt Barzell. Yes, with 60 points. Brock Nelson came in second. Do you know with how many points he came? Like, uh, how do I... Yeah, how many points for a second place? Uh, 54? 58. Wow, okay. Brock Nelson was two points off of tying Matthew Barzell for the most points over that single stretch, over that calendar period. That's incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, Brock Nelson could have been our highest points getter of the 2019 calendar season. Okay, that's... Calendar year, I should say. That's incredible. That, that, no one saw that coming. No, no, I definitely didn't. I got to tip my cap there. I mean, that's great. With 26 goals and 32 assists. So that's my third good was Brock Nelson. Okay. Because like that, that guy came out of nowhere. I mean, not nowhere, but came out of the shadows, really, uh, and just sucked up all the vitamin D in this place. Absolutely. Do you want to go chronological or you want to go good then bad? How do you want to do it? I was just going straight up good and straight up bad. Okay. I, we can do that. I have one more good and three bad. Okay, well, um, I have another good. Uh, maybe, I don't know if it's going to be the same as yours, but I'm going to say it anyway. Breaking ground at Belmont. Oh, yes. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was? Okay. So, yeah, I think that was just huge for this. Obviously, it's not what happened on the ice, but it's honestly probably the most important thing to happen to the New York Islanders in 2019. Because Yes, winning the first round, that's great, but it's something that they've done before. Having a permanent home, I think, is so much more important to this franchise long term. Absolutely. It's franchise defining. That's, that's as good as a first round pick, if not even a whole lot better, because the health and the vitality of that franchise is based off of getting butts and seats and having an arena that attracts butts and seats. And as much as we all love the Nassau Coliseum, it, it, there's a reason they weren't playing there for a while. It just wasn't, people weren't going. Now they are, which is great, uh, but that helps when you have a good team on the ice. True. Uh, so imagine having a nice arena, maybe not nice, but a newer arena with a good team. Oh boy, look out. In that market, unbelievable. Look out. Yeah, I definitely, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. And then, like you said there too, attracting free agents. That's one of the big things I think that's going to make a difference. It's going to help because not only do they have a new arena, but they got a new practice facility and they spend more time at the practice facility than the arena. So like that's going to be big. And yes, it's still a little bit of a commute from the Northwell Health Ice Center, but it's not that crazy, right? Like it's what, 20 minute drive or something? Not even? From there to, yeah, it's it's still on Hempstead Turnpike. It's, I think, like 11 miles. It's not it's not anything crazy. It's like probably 20 minutes. Doesn't that take an hour in like New York traffic, 11 miles? It can. If they're leaving at 5 p.m., I mean, maybe it'll take like 40 minutes. But nonetheless, I, when they're going, it's not going to be a bad. It's not a bad drive. It's not that much of a difference. It really isn't. Exactly. Okay, so I had three bads. Um, first one was standing pat. That wasn't I, great. I'm glad you brought that up because that is definitely something that was defining for 2019. Yeah, it wasn't great. Like, we didn't move the needle forward as much as we wanted to. Well, not as much. As much as we wanted to move the needle forward, it did not. Uh, didn't really matter a whole lot. We still, 
you know, lost out uh, against Carolina. And I, I think that was more of a systemic issue than a player issue. Um, so, but it is what it is. Uh, hopefully we don't stand pat this time around. Even like, I bet all he does is just depth defenseman. I won't be happy, but at least it's something. Okay. That would be, I, I think I'd be a little surprised if he brought in a depth defenseman, to be honest with you. It's just, I don't think they're, they're super confident about Noah Dawson being their number seven. So I think they bring in an actual number seven. Okay. Interesting. All right. Uh, okay. My next one is uncertainty of the strategy. For exactly what we talked about with the trade deadline. Like, if they don't bring someone in, like, well, what are we doing here? Are we going for it? Are we trying to win? Or are we just kind of, you know, hemorrhaging time until, like, our our kids can come in and be better, be the players that we're looking to trade for? I don't understand. Yeah, that's the thing. Because, like you said, they, earlier with the Kiefer Bellows, they don't want to call up these kids like Oliver Wallstrom and Kiefer Bellows and have them make the mistakes. But at the same time, they're not willing to part with them in order to bring in NHL ready guys in order to win right now. They're kind of in, they're trying to do both, which is what you can't. You got to pick one or the other. Yeah, which is weird because they're in that position where, you know, usually if you're a mediocre team, you don't make the playoffs, but you don't get a high draft pick. They're still making the playoffs. So you're like, all right, well, you're still really good, but you're not making the moves to put you over the edge. I don't, I don't understand. I don't get, I don't get it. What, what are we doing here exactly, guys? It's a weird, maybe we're the dumb ones for trying to like put them in a box of what we've already understood is what you're supposed to do. And they're like, no, no, there's another box, guys. You're just not seeing it. I don't, I don't know what that box is then. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> Schrodinger's cat's in that box and no one's opened it forever. <laughs> It certainly really smells. It certainly seems that way. What's your third one? The rise and fall of Michael Del Cole. Really? Okay. Right, because 2019 was a big year for him. It started off, he was like a point-per-game player in the AHL. Oh, for the AHL level. I, I guess, yeah, but yeah. That, that was we're going, oh my God, guys, because he wasn't for a while. It was very Kiefer Bellosian, where we're going, Michael Del Cole is not doing anything at the AHL level. And then, boom, 2018-19 comes up, and he's like scoring points like crazy. And we're saying... Whoa, hold on. Did he finally figure it out? We've been told for years that, well, he's a big body, and big bodies take a while to figure it out. All right, well, maybe this is the year. Uh, and then he gets the NHL, and it's... Nope. I mean, it's going to be a UFA before he figures it out at this pace. Well, and that, that's why I'm saying the rise <laughs> and fall, because we all got excited for a second going, oh, 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 he's going to figure it out. And then we all came crashing down because he didn't. No, he, he definitely didn't. Uh, I was surprised. I thought you'd have a different one for the third one. Well, maybe you have it. What do you, do you have? There's this one that you're looking for here. Yeah, it's uh, getting swept by Carolina. Really? I didn't really. It, it sucked, but I, I'm not going to put that as, I guess. All right, fine. We got to mention, we got to talk about it. Getting swept out of a playoff round. It's not the best feeling. It was definitely on the bad side. Yeah, but we did enough to win that round. We just, I don't know, didn't get the, in the first two games, in the first two games, maybe. That's true. Yeah, man. It's all a blur now. Yeah. I don't like that series. No, that was not a fun series. More of the story, even at this point, Carolina is not a good matchup for the Islanders. No, no. Well, maybe maybe next year or this year, I should say, maybe. It didn't right? look so and good. If the, the first Islanders time. don't win the Corsi battle, they usually win. And there's one thing the Carolina Hurricanes love to do is win the Corsi battle. So <laughs> maybe that works. It didn't look so good the first time, though, Mitch. That that's uh, that's for sure. Fair enough. Anything else on 2019? No, I'm glad it's done. Let's get to 2020. Let's uh, let's keep this train moving forward. Absolutely, Mitch. So shall we get into the quiz segment for L- Roberto yes. Luongo? As my voice cracks, let's start talking about Roberto Luongo. 
So as we all know, I'm going to ask you, Matt, three questions about Roberto Luongo, who played for the New York Islanders, played 24 games for the New York Islanders. All right. Question number one. What junior team was he drafted from? Because oh, we drafted Christ. him. Yeah. What junior team was he playing when we drafted him? There's so many junior teams, Mitch. Mm-hmm. Do you even know the league? Give me the league then. I'll take that. QMJHL. You're correct. It was the QMJHL. He played for the Val d'Or Fureur. Okay. Fureur, excuse. Um, question number two. Who was part of the Luongo trade from the Islanders? So I'll accept either who went with him to what to Florida and who came back or or who came back. Whichever one you want to do. So one player uh, went with him to Florida and two came back. Can you name them? Mark Parrish was one of them who came, right? Yes. And then yep. uh, Ole Kavasha. Good job. Yes, you did. All right. The one player that went with him was Ole Jokinen. Oh, that's right. Okay. I wouldn't have... Okay. Now that you said it, I remembered, but okay. Third and final question. The number of times Roberto Luongo finished in the top five Vezina ballots. So how many times did he get voted in the top five for the Vezina trophy in his career? Played about 20 years in the league, so I'm going to say six times. Ooh, close. Five. All right. Five-time Vezina, top five voter, vote-getter, I guess. Uh, He finished second in Vezina and Hart in 2006-2007. With 76 games played, 47 wins, 22 losses, a 921 save percentage, and a 228 goals against average. Wow. Talk about it. And and we traded that. To draft Rick DiPietro. We already had Rick, right? I think. Oh, no, sorry. We traded him just before, like, hours or something like that. Yeah, it was all on that same draft, though, I'm pretty sure. The 2000 yeah. draft. I yeah. don't. Do you know how many seasons Roberto Longo had a, a 920 save percentage or more? Uh, for just number of seasons. Number of seasons he had a 920 or better, I'll say 11. Eight. Okay. Which is still insane to think about. Eight years. No, that's still wild. Yeah, that's crazy. Jeez. So that's it. All right. Good job, Mike Milbury. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Coming right back. Mike Milbury. Gotta love it. <laughs> All right, Mitch. When we come back, we're going to get into the social segment and what's trending on Isles Twitter. Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast. Matt O'Leary alongside Mitch Anderson getting into the social segment and what's trending on Isles Twitter. Mitch, what do you got for us? I went in a little bit of a different direction with this. Uh, instead of looking at what is trending this week on IELTS Twitter, I went with what's trending this year on IELTS Twitter. Okay. So I picked the uh, four things that had 2.3 thousand retweets or more, and I think there's three things that had at least 4.3 thousand um, likes using hashtag IELTS. Okay. Because I didn't want to look at every single tweet possible. Uh, but these are the ones that used hashtag IELTS. Uh, for retweets, there were four, like I said. Uh, the most was uh, uh, a tweet from Isles blog. It was a gif of John Tavares dipsy doodling around uh, Sean Couturier. So you remember that overtime goal that Josh Bailey scored against Philadelphia? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean Couturier's got John Tavares up against the wall, and Tavares has one hand on his stick and sweeps it around him to get it to Bailey. Okay. That was, yeah, that was a good one. I remember that. That was a good one. Next is uh, Staples' tweet saying that the Islanders had traded Matt Molson to Buffalo for Thomas Vanek. This is of the decade. 
Oh, yeah, I went you decade. S- you said year. Oh, come on, Mitch. Now you have me all confused. Oh, thank God. I did decade. Wow, that makes more sense. Yes, I did the decade. Sorry. And not just oh. 2019. Because it's a whole decade is over, led, not just the year. You led with that, Mitch. I was all confused. I was like, wait a second. Oh, sorry. I didn't write decade down. I should have written it down. I, again, I'm very Ron Burgundy-like. I will read what is in front of me. And I wrote 2019, and I should have wrote 2009 or 2010 to 2019, like a dummy. Oh, boy. Anyways. Uh, next was the Isles tweet that they were going to round two in 2016. And then there's another one, the Staple article, saying that the Isles were out of running for John Tavares. Those are top five retweets, or top four retweets, with at least 2,000 retweets or more. Wow. Good Jeez. job by us. Uh, and then in terms of likes, I only I only saved the uh, the link. I didn't save the actual tweet itself. Because, uh, you know, very smart here. Uh, let me go here and copy it in. So the first one has 4.8 thousand, and it's fr- uh, from the faceoff, at from the faceoff, and it says hashtag Isles and CBJ fans after their sweeps tonight. And it's a gif of these two guys just like dancing, like just ridiculous dance moves all over the place. It's real funny. Okay. So that's after the CBJ swept the Lightning and we had swept the Pittsburgh Penguins. There you go. That was from 2019. That was from 2019. Uh, next is, I think these are still going to be from 2019, just because that's when the activity really ramps up. Um, no, this is when Peter Shirelli was fired. So this is an Isles blog tweet from 2019 still. So yeah, 2019, uh, just at the beginning, January 23rd. So Peter Shirelli fired despite having helped build a first place team because the Isles were in first place at that point. And they had Johnny Boychuk, Matthew Barzell, Anthony Bovilli, and Jordan Eberle as pictures because we were, we traded with uh, a Peter Shirelli-led team for all four of those guys. Yes, all very key pieces to what the New York Islanders are doing right now. And that, that's the last ones. Awesome. All right, for me, I wanted to give a congratulations to Sydney and Matt Martin because they announced yesterday, not only was it a Happy New Year and that they posted a picture with their dog, which I always love that kind of content, but a baby is on the way. They will be having a baby girl in 2020. So congratulations to both Sydney and Matt. Good job. That's amazing. I, I initially saw that and I went, oh, cool. They're having a happy new year. And then I read it like uh, the next day. So today and I went, oh, whoa, what? Uh, whoops. <laughs> there was more to that, that story. There were words there. Oh, my God. God, I'm dumb. Um, I, I had one more. Sure. And it's not about like looking back on the decade. Um so uh, there's a Instagram post from Anthony Beauvillier. Uh, he was at Times Square with Matthew Barzell. Uh, I don't want to ask you, do you regret not going, Matt? No. you could have met both of them. No, no, I don't. And I'm mad at them for going because that is the most anti-New Yorker thing to do. New Yorkers don't go to see the ball drop, okay? It's all tourists from Wyoming and diapers standing out in the front line from like 6 a.m. until the stupid ball drops at midnight for so many hours on end. Real New Yorkers don't go into the city. I promise you, they do not go to Times Square to see the ball drop. So that was very touristy of them. Two good Canadian boys. We don't have that up here. We don't have that. We we don't even have fireworks. It's too cold for that. (laughs) We just don't do anything. It's just kind of like you're at home and you watch the ball drop. That's what everyone does. Everyone in Canada watches the ball drop, so there's a romanticism attached to it for us, and that's why they did it. It's still, it's still not. That's a very anti-New Yorker thing to do, and it bothered me. It rubbed me the wrong way. Sorry, they've been in New York for like a couple of years. All right, let's give them some time. They should know better. 
All right. I'm being Sorry. I'm being a little tongue in cheek here, obviously, but I mean, it's a lot better than what they could have been doing on New Year's Eve. So I'm not getting all crazy about it, but it is something that most New Yorkers do not do. Fair enough. Yeah, you said that before. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the the last one for me was I wanted to talk about uh, Robin Leonard. So for the first time, the Islanders played against Robin Leonard since he was a member of the team last year. And I thought it was very cool of how he was so appreciative of the fans and stuff like that. And then he actually met with uh, Kim after the game. Uh, I want to find her Twitter handle. Uh, but that tweet went really viral of the video of them meeting. It is... Isn't it just at Isles Girl? Pretty sure that's what it is. Something Isles like that. Girl 3. That's what oh, it is. see. Close. Close. There you go. Uh, so I just wanted to uh, say that was really cool. And not. I can't really think of too many players who are going to play in a game and then meet with a fan on the opposing team that they just played. You never see that. Sorry, the only time you actually see that is like when Brock Nelson, Nick Letty, and Andersley were playing in Minnesota. That's when you can see them shaking hands with fans from the other, the other for the other team because they're from that area. That's probably people they grew up with. Right, right. You don't usually see that from a guy who has no attachment to Chicago outside of just starting to play there, and then a New York Islanders fan being like, "Hey," and then hugs and heartfelt moments. You don't see that. That's amazing. Yeah, so I, I know we talked a lot about Robin Leonard uh, last year and obviously the offseason and stuff like that, but I, I was worth mentioning again to me just how awesome of a guy he is, and he's going to be an Islander forever in our hearts. I know that. Absolutely. So there we go. Anything else from you, Mitch, or is that all? One last thing. So the All-Star game's coming up soon, uh, and they've Matthew Barzell's in it, uh, but... They have a last man in ballot, okay. so that's like guys coming in to, like, I guess, fill roles or just take up injury places, I suppose. Right. Uh, Brock Nelson is on that list. Vote him in. Let's do it. That'd be nice. So just go to NHL.com. You get 10 votes a day. Stuff it for Brock Nelson. That'd be really cool to get Brock in there. I would like that a lot. Absolutely. So let's do that. All right. So let me just get some plugs in here before we get on out of here for episode 124. Wherever you are listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. That really helps us out a ton. We appreciate all the love and support. You can also download our app, the Eyes on Isles app, available for iPhone or Android. You can follow along with us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My personal Twitter is at Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch's is at TLO Mitch. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You can visit the website eyesonisles.com for all your New York Islanders needs. And of course, don't forget that if you're interested in post-game content, mailbags, newsletters, all that fun stuff, head on over to patreon.com slash eyes on aisles, where you can find out more info on all of those things. Episode 124 in the books. Excited to get 2020 going in the right direction. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. We'll talk to you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.